0: so this morning, as I was sitting in my office preparing for this message, I heard Lurleen giving the same message in her Sunday school class. So I really think she should probably come up here and give it because I enjoyed listening to her this morning. So as we prepare to honor Jesus next weekend, I want to look at the Gospel of Luke and John the Baptist. See, I enjoy reading Luke because it contains a lot of details that doesn't appear in the other Gospels. See, Luke was a doctor and he was very educated, so he was very detail oriented. So there are many miracles that Jesus performed and many parables of Jesus that aren't mentioned in Luke. And there's also several women that are mentioned in Luke alone. And it's also the only gospel to give an account of the birth of John the Baptist. But I want to start in the Old Testament. I want to start with Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah. The prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So remember that because it's going to be important later on. So after this, after Malachi's prophecy, we have what they call the silence years 400 years of silence. And this 400 years is going to be broken with Luke's account of Zacharias. So he begins by telling us who Zacharias was. Zacharias was a priest of the division Abijah. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. Anyway, Zacharias was married to Elizabeth, and she was also from the tribe of Aaron. So both of them came down through the priest's uh, tribe. And they were considered righteousness before God because they backed up their outward compliance with an inward obedience. Luke says in chapter 1, verse 6, And they were both righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless. But they didn't have children. And they were considered past the age of having children. And in the Jewish culture, just as it is today, children is considered a blessing from God. But back in the day, if you didn't have a child, it was considered a punishment. And many people probably thought that Zacharias and Elizabeth were being punished for sins from the past. So during this time, there was about 20,000 priests. Their job was the upkeep of the temple, teaching the people scripture, and directing the worship services. So 20,000 priests is a lot to have. So they weren't going to be there all at the same time, so they divided them up into groups of about 1,000, and they would rotate around. So twice a day, they would enter the temple into the inner sanctuary, and they would burn incense as the people prayed. This was symbolic because the smoke rising was, was symbolic of the, the prayers rising to heaven. So they would cast lots to see which priest would enter the inner, would enter the inner sanctuary. This was a high privilege. It could only be held once in a lifetime. So casting lots is kind of like playing lottery or just drawing straws. It's just a random draw. If you get it, you win. But this particular morning, the lot fell on Zacharias. But it wasn't random that Zacharias was chosen that day. Proverbs 16.33 says, the, cast, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. See, God was putting his plan for the coming of Jesus into action, and God had set it up that morning for Zacharias to be in the inner sanctuary. He had a message for him, and the 400 years of silence was about to be broken. So can you imagine for a minute Zacharias, how he felt the evening before he was supposed to go in? You know, this is something that he's probably prayed for his whole life to have this opportunity to go in and and perform this. But he was also probably thinking about Aaron's two sons that had died from when they went in and didn't perform the ritual right. So, you know, that's just going to be a mixed feelings of rejoicing and fear. So the morning comes and Zacharias enters the inner sanctuary where he's to burn the incense. The people begin to gather and start to pray. Zacharias was alone. He's in the place of God's presence, and no one else was allowed in there. See, I love to go down here to our prayer room in the mornings and pray. Sometimes I just sit in the chairs, and I just listen to God. It's peaceful, it's calming, it's silence. And I can imagine that's how it was for Zacharias that morning. Well, then all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appeared. And when Zacharias saw him, the Bible says that he was filled with fear. Can you blame him? His first thoughts were probably, what did I do wrong? I know every job I've ever had, when I got called into the office, my first thought was, man, what'd I do? What'd I do? What'd I do? All the way down there. I worked at, a, when I was working at JCM. we'd have our meetings out at Kinder morgan That was like 15 miles from where our office was, and my boss told me one day, he said, after the meeting, he went over and whispered to me, he said, I need to see you in the office. Man, I had a 15-minute drive, was thinking about all the things I've done wrong, and I couldn't figure out, man, what am I doing? What'd I do? Then I got there, and it was nothing, so we always think the worst when, anyway. That was just a side note. I don't know why I went there. <laughs> okay, so the angel says, Do not be afraid, for your prayers are heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and that son will be named John. The angel told Zacharias that his son will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall not drink wine or any strong drink. This is part of the Nazarite vow to God. And when you take this vow, you said it's to set yourself apart from God and to have a closer relationship with him. There was three restrictions that they had to follow. Number one, you must stay away from wine or any other fermented drink. And number two, you couldn't cut your hair or shave your beard. And number three, you weren't allowed to touch any dead body. Now this vow could be taken for as little as 30 days or, or for a lifetime. And parents could give their kids at birth over to the, for, for a lifetime. So we believe that Samuel, Samson, and John the Baptist were probably all Nazarites for life. So in chapter one, verses 16 and 17, The angel says to Zacharias, and he will turn many of the children of Israel toward the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers of their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. See, to turn hearts of the fathers of the children is part of the last two verses in the Old Testament. And I never realized that before, but it was just awesome to me that after 400 years of silence, the same words were spoken. I may just be simple-minded, but it kind of blew my mind. I love how the Old Testament and the New Testament always come together. And see, John was the fulfillment of Malachi's final prophecy. So here's Zacharias. He's a priest. He's standing in the holiest of holy places. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and promises him a son. Now, Zacharias knew scripture. He knew about Abraham and Sarah having a child at an old age. He knew of Hannah giving birth to Samson after many years of not being able to have a child. But what did he say? How do I know this is real? Me and my wife are old. You sure about this? Can you give me a sign so that I can believe you? So how often do we question God? How many times has God spoken to you and you've doubted it? How many times have you asked God, you sure you got the right person? Are you sure you want me to do this? How many times have you been sitting somewhere and you got this overwhelming feeling that you need to go pray for that person? And you say, "Eh, if you want me to pray for this person, I'm going to need a sign. How many times have you been praying for an opportunity to serve and when you get it, you say, are you sure you want me to serve here? Wouldn't someone more experienced be better at this? See, I'm sure I've probably made all these excuses in my walk. So Zechariah was doubting what the angel had told him. So at this point, the angel reveals to to him who he is. And I always talk about I wish there was a Texas translation of the Bible. So I'm going to paraphrase because I kind of made one right here. It says, good gosh, preach. Don't you know who I am? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. My words are his words. If you're doubting me, you're doubting him. Bless your heart. Just for that, you can't talk no more. Here's your sign. So if anybody wants to do the rest of the Bible in texting, I'd really appreciate it. Because I understood that a lot more than what it said. (laughs) So now Zacharias had to go home. And somehow he had to tell his wife that he couldn't speak because he had doubted God. And oh yeah, by the way, honey, you're about to have a baby. (laughs) So for you men, y'all can imagine how hard this was for him. We're not very detail-oriented. When somebody tells me something, I go tell my wife and she starts asking me questions. I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is what they said. I didn't ask no questions. So she's probably mad. So can you imagine Elizabeth at this time? You know, she's probably tripping out. What are you talking about? I'm about to be pregnant. Who told you this? You know, all these details, and poor little Zacharias, you know, he's trying to ride it out as fast as he can. But sure enough, Elizabeth became pregnant, and Zacharias remained mute until the birth of John. You see, when God promises something, he delivers. It doesn't matter the conditions, what the conditions are. He don't care about your age. He don't care about your social status. He don't care how much money you have. None of that matters to him. You can have complete confidence that if he says it will happen, it will happen. Maybe not as fast as we want it. See, we live in microwave time. You know, we want to pop our food in the microwave and two minutes later, it's done. But God, he likes to use the old slow cooker. He knows that sometimes it takes a little patience for things to be prepared the best way. So when you receive a promise from God, you can guarantee that it'll happen. But it's going to be in God's time, not ours. So Luke 1, verse 80 says, So the child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he was in the deserts till the day of the manifestation to Israel. So again, we find someone in the wilderness. And We talked about it a few weeks ago. That God will sometimes put us in the wilderness to prepare us for what he has planned. Being in the wilderness is not always a bad thing. It allows us to be alone with God. It allows us to grow our relationship with him. It teaches us to rely on him for our every need. See, we need to understand that sometimes God will give us a calling and then puts us in the wilderness so that we can mature and prepare to step into what he has planned for us. So now we jump over to chapter 3 of Luke. It's been about 30 years, and it says that the word of God came to John, and he went out to all the region of Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance and remission of sins. See, John waited 30 years in the desert, <clears throat> and I'm sure that he knew his whole life that God had a special plan for him. I'm sure his parents probably told him about the story of an angel, that he came and told his dad that, he was gonna, that they were going to have him. I'm sure the mom probably joked about how Zacharias being mute was probably the happiest time of their marriage. So I'm sure that he knew for 30 years that God had a special calling for him but he waited. He was patient and he waited for God to say go. But my favorite part about John the Baptist was his boldness. You see, he spoke the truth. He wasn't out to offend anyone. He wasn't out to start trouble. His intentions weren't to call somebody out. His intentions were to prepare the hearts of the people for the coming of the Messiah. It was out of love for the people and out of love for the Father that he spoke repentance of sin. Verses 7 through 9 says, Then he said to the multitudes that came to be baptized by him, Brood of boppers, Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, that God is able to raise children, raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. See, God called them a family of serpents. He associated them with, with Satan because they wanted to escape the eternal punishment, but they didn't want to change their lives. He was telling them, I don't care who your family is. It don't matter what your family's done in the past. A relationship with God is not something you can pass down from generation to generation. It's a personal choice of trusting Jesus in every part of your life. It requires a confession of sins and a changed life. Faith without deeds is dead, right? We can't just profess with our lips if it, hasn't, if it doesn't come from our hearts. You see, John didn't come to save the world, he came to prepare the world for the Savior and to fulfill God's promises. And God's promises are that Christ will return. And if God promises it, it will happen. So we must prepare our hearts. We don't know when he will return, but we do know that he will return. We need to break free from the traditions and rituals and return to the relationship. We have to look beyond what the world says is okay and dig into the Bible and discover what God calls sin. See, far too often we get God's laws and man's laws twisted just like the Pharisees did. We can't wait. The Bible says that... He will come as a thief in the night. So we have to be prepared at all times. So I want to close with this. We don't know if Christ will return in our lifetime. But we do know that one day all of our lives will end. Hopefully it isn't anytime soon, but we never know. Over the past two weeks, three guys that I, that I went to school with have died in children's. 43 years old. 44 years old and 46 years old. Two of them, they found him dead in the morning. One of them was at his parents' house and had a heart attack and just passed away. You see, he was, uh, the one that had the heart attack, he was a really good friend of mine years ago. And he just got back into town a few months ago. And God's been putting it on my heart for me to, to go talk to him and I kept saying ah, I'll run into him eventually. You know, we go to children's enough, I'll surely I'll see him sometime. Well, I never went. And he passed away. Now I'm not saying that I could have saved him or anything like that. And I don't know his heart. But I know when God puts something on our hearts, we need to go. When God tells you to go talk to somebody, we can't just sit around and say, "Well, I'll wait till I run into him." You know, God laid that on our hearts for a reason. And just because I didn't go don't mean that he didn't have, God didn't have somebody else go. I'm not somebody that's just so great that only I can do it. If you deny it, I promise you God's going to send somebody else. But when God gives you an opportunity to go, we've got to go. So we're going to open up the altar now. Anyone that wants to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, anybody that wants to join the church, or anybody that needs prayer and just wants to Truly prepare the heart for the coming of the Messiah, and the altar will be open. So we stand, and we'll pray. My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this message that you've given me. Father, I just pray that you'll open up our hearts and our minds, and just to be able to understand you. Father, we just pray that you'll just prepare our hearts, and that we'll just be able to rejoice in this time, Father, and just to live our lives according to your law. Father, we love you and we praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen.